The gospel today is from the book of Mark, the ninth chapter. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved, listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen, until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Lindsay, and thank you, Daniel and Christopher. Grace and peace to all of you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So you all know by now that I am somewhat of a political junkie, so I'm going to confess that while I was writing this sermon yesterday, I was keeping my eye on the impeachment trial in the Senate I know you all just tensed up at home, so let me say relax. This isn't going where you think it is. Tina Smith, our junior senator from Minnesota, showed up to do her job as a juror in the impeachment trial. And whatever you think of her, it was history in the making. And she was a part of it. What awesome responsibility. What weighty decisions. How to proceed. What justice looks like. How to interpret the Constitution. There are over a third of a billion people in America, and only 100 get to vote in the Senate impeachment trial. It must have been awe inducing for her to walk into the grand senate chamber yesterday and she did and then she looked down and she sent out this photo throughout the whole thing she was wearing shoes from two different sets can you imagine you're in the presence of history. The eyes of future generations are looking at you. Your vote is going to shape how democracy and accountability and power are understood for years to come. And you show up wearing mismatched shoes. The moment's supposed to be about transcendence and ideals. But it ends up revealing just how human you are. 
So it is with the transfiguration. I typically read this to be a story about Jesus, a revealing of Jesus. It is, after all, God's voice booming his identity as the Son of God. And he is the one standing next to Moses and Elijah like he's next in line. And the resurrection light is already shining on him. But pay attention. This light doesn't just reveal Jesus. It also shines on these disciples. And they're wearing mismatched shoes. They're completely unprepared for the moment. And the light reveals how entirely human they are. Jesus is off having conversations with Moses and Elijah and his disciples are just scampering and scurrying around, ping-ponging and pivoting between opposite responses, just flustered to the core. It's good to be here, they say, but they are terrified. Let's build a permanent dwelling, they say, even though they're just out for a hike. Up the mountain, down the mountain, trying to speak but not knowing what to say, and then wanting to speak, but Jesus telling them not to say anything. They're tripping over their competing impulses. They're trying to impress. They attempt to rise above their nature. And it only exposes just how stuck in it they are. That's what the light shines on. That's what gets revealed. There's something so human about it, isn't there? It could have been me on that mountain, and I'm sure I would have done no better. <laughs> I would have scampered and scurried like the best of them. And strange as it may seem, this is a source of deep comfort for me. Maybe you're like me, and you come down every so often with a bad case of the shoulds. My faith should look a certain way. I should pray a certain way, and when I do, it should feel a certain way, and God's presence should appear like this or that. And when I open the Bible, I should find people who are wiser than me, speaking words that are eternal and weighty and choosing the right course every time. Well, thank God for this story. Because here we don't get humans as they should be. We get humans as they are. Humans as confused and unfinished and filled with contradiction as I am and as I'd be willing to guess, you are as well. Sure, Peter and James and John probably are in a lot more oil paintings than you or me. They've got more churches named after them. But don't tell me you don't see something of yourself here. Trying and failing to figure out what you're supposed to do bumbling and tripping over yourself, a little bit out of your league, feeling like you should be able to transcend these things that you're stumbling over, but everything you do reveals that you can't. 
its raw and unfiltered humanity on display here. And that makes Peter and James and John the most relatable characters in the whole Bible. Because they're kind of doofuses. (laughs) And you know what? I'm kind of a doofus too. (laughs) I try very, very hard to not let you see it. And no, I don't want you to see see you in the comments being like, Pastor Joel, you're not a doofus. Come on. Some days I get up and I have no idea what I'm doing. Some days I go to bed and I think, wow, I really spent a whole day doing that? Some days I think, I really should have learned this lesson by now. You're looking at a big old doofus right here. But here's the thing. That's who Jesus calls. Ordinary doofuses who think they should be better than they are by now. Jesus doesn't call superhumans. Jesus calls people who are superhuman. He calls these three up the mountain. They lose their marbles. And then he calls them back down the mountain. The losing of the marbles jeopardized nothing. This is a story of hope for any of us who show up in mismatched shoes. We're funny little creatures, us humans. And we have a funny big God who for some reason completely delights in us. And who's to say God's delight doesn't come in spite of our mismatched shoes but because of them? There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. We should all know these Leonard Cohen lyrics by heart by now. They've been the lens we've uh, we've brought to this epiphany season. It's obvious where the light comes from in this story. It comes from Jesus. But where is the crack that it enters through? Could it be? That God's light gets in not just through Jesus, but through the disciples in their fear and their grief and tentativeness. Could it be that the light shines brighter because of all the scampering and scurrying and ping-ponging and pivoting? Yes, Jesus' glory is revealed on a mountain far away from many, but it's also revealed in the sight of real humans being really human, and it shines on them as they are. And the voice proclaiming that Jesus is God's beloved is loud enough and wide enough and welcoming enough that we understand that the belovedness extends to those doofuses standing slack-jawed around him. What use would this story be to any of us if the disciples had done whatever you're supposed to do when full-on divine glory appears before you? What use would it be if they dutifully prayed or humbly waited on Jesus, or quoted the right scripture, or whatever, 
I wouldn't read it. It wouldn't be gospel to me. Where would the good news be? It would just be God showing off. But the disciples are cracked. And the light shines on them. And the light comes through them. And I am bolstered because it it shines on me too. And when I read this story, it also reads me. For there I am, standing between Peter and James and John in mismatched shoes. And it makes me wonder if what God needs isn't so much heroic belief or for us to make our faith look like what we think it should look like, but if what God needs are people who are honest about who they are and where they are. We are clay, the Bible tells us, and God is the potter. Let us not confuse our job descriptions. Are we not trying to play the potter when we try to should ourselves away from where we are? Our job is to let ourselves be clay, lumpy and uneven and filled with imperfections, and trust that God's hands are shaping us from what we are to what we are becoming. Because God, as a potter, uses it all. Even the lumps and imperfections have a role in God's beautiful design. This is real work on our part, of course, just letting ourselves be clay. It's easier for us to want to change ourselves. It's hard for us to sit there with the extremely human parts of ourselves and trust that God has some use for them. I spoke with my spiritual director recently, and I said, you know, I wish I could just get rid of my fear. And she said, you know, Joel, fine. And faith works best when we accept all of ourselves, just like God does. And perhaps perhaps God's work in you is less about casting out the fear and more about finding a healthier role for it. This is what it means to be shaped by a potter who uses all parts of the clay. This is what it means to be found in the light of a God who delights in our full humanity. This is what it means to be caught up in the transfiguration. The story today ends with Jesus leading his disciples back down the mountain. This is the beginning of the journey that Jesus will make to the cross. And it is the beginning of the church's season of Lent. Lent is a return to God. It's a time to re-examine our lives and to offer them, each part of them, to God. What does it mean for you to enter this Lent and offer the fullness of yourself to God? Not just your hopes and strengths and goodness, but your grief 
and anger and fears? What does it mean to lay before God the parts of you that are unfinished and confused and contradictory? To not judge them or try to rid yourself of them, but trust that God willingly receives them and that God's hands are already sculpting them into something beautiful. The God who gave everything in Jesus longs to use everything in us. This transfiguration light, it's not selective. It simply shines on whatever is there, gladly and indiscriminately lighting up every part of us funny little creatures called humans. And that is good news for all of us doofus, doofuses scampering around in mismatched shoes. Amen.